Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The following program was produced by an independent community producer. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the ECAT staff or board of directors. Come to you from underneath the peach blossom. It's time for an episode of Be Awesome. Find positivity throughout your life and work. Just like our mascot rooster, Steve the Jerk. Welcome, be awesome listeners, followers, viewers, everyone around the galaxy that chooses to spend some time with us and hear the stories of our guests and my my neighbor here today. This is our first remote virtual podcast recording, and I couldn't do it alone, so I had uh, merch. What is it? Master of merchandise. Adam came up with the title. Yeah, I think it's merchandise master. Is it ma- master oh, of merchandise? What the is it? Master of merchandise. My go-to guy, Mr. Mark Resnick. Mark, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Josh. Thanks for having me today. <laughs> lucky to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining me. Uh, because I don't want to be alone in here. I mean, Adam's with me, but he doesn't <laughs> jump on. He jumped on once with me, but he wouldn't jump on with me today. So um, this is kind of cool. We've got uh, this guest that I met through LinkedIn. And uh, it was through, I don't know, I think it was a post or something. Um, but I've been, I was actually a fan, a quiet fan and follower of our guest, Andy Reese, uh, West Point grad. Um, he was in a competition with John McCaskill, retired Navy SEAL. It was uh, the Frogman against the Rooster, I think, was your uh, your shirt, right? And, right. And uh, they were raising money for a really amazing uh, cause, which I think was Warrior Rising, uh, yes, or some part of Warrior Rising, which, uh, which they're doing some amazing things for our uh, military veterans. And so at some point down the road, he had this post where he had this god awful tie dye shirt. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it, it was, it was, it was tough. It, it had been to one too many Grateful Dead concerts. Okay. And so, and so I made some comment about he needs he needs a better shirt. And uh, and McCaskill's like, yeah, you need to send him some be awesome stuff. So we got a be awesome swag box in the mail, and he has represented and supported. Ah, look at that! Uh, ever since, and I've gotten to follow along with Andy. And one of the cool things we're going to dig into this, but one of the cool things with Andy is he's a really bright guy. You can you can just tell you're going to tell him the first two minutes talking to him. He's smart. He's done his homework, does his research, and I'm not that I'm not that bright. And we had a conversation. I mean, I was at the I think it was at the airport, or you were at the airport. Or we we're both at an airport. Right. We had, we had our initial phone call and we talked for like an hour. Like I yeah. had to turn my phone off. The pilot's like, dude, we're not taking off until you shut that thing off. And I just want to keep talking to him. <laughs> and That's I just want to keep, I just wanted to keep talking to him. And what was interesting was he was like, what do you think? And it was all around the wording of what he was looking to do. And mm-hmm. I think what he chose, which is genius, which is mental fitness, not mental toughness, but mental fitness is genius and so we're going to dig into what andy does Mm -hmm. and how he trains helps people train the brain and how he's learned about it uh, and learn more about him but that's kind of what we're talking about today right andy we're going to talk about mental fitness right yes sir yeah hello yeah yeah let's do it so let's let's dig in who is andy reese and what gets you up in the morning to uh smile and put your be awesome shirt on oh man uh I'm just trying to be like you guys, you know, uh, you guys are, so you guys are bonafide pros, right? You got the merch master. I got, I got the, uh, the merch master and I got the Sultan of awesomeness over here. Right? And it's, uh, so first of all, thank you for, for having me today. This is an honor to be with you. And, you know, Josh, I, I've been a fan of, of yours as well too. And I, I was a little jealous of Teresa Larson and, and John McCaskill rocking this really cool, uh, you know, uh, really cool shirt. And I just like, what a, what a great concept. I get so many compliments every time I, yeah. I wear it. Uh, like you, I mean, it, it's all about helping and serving others to, to become the best version of themselves, to, to be awesome. Yeah. Really. We all, I, I think I believe that everyone's designed to perform. That's the name of my company. And, you know, we talk about, you know, you're either a performer or you're in the, you're on the sidelines and you're a critic, right? Yeah. You can't be both. Right. And so I think we're all performers. We're all designed to perform. We all have this, potential to be awesome uh, and to be the most version 
awesome version of ourselves. And the one thing that kind of keeps people from becoming that is they're in their own head. They get mentally stuck mm -hmm. or they don't know how to level up. Uh, we understand that the mental side of everything is really important. But we know how to train our brain. And um, so I've been on this odyssey for the last 25 years to uh, one, understand the art and science of kicking ass between the ears and then help, you know, then turn around and teach that and train that and coach that in a way that's uh, scalable and sustainable, that uses technology, that integrates with other ways of, of training and education that gets in the hands uh, of the people who need it the most, you know, like our kids, uh, like our first responders, like our military, um, you know, where I come from in this field of sport and performance psychology, it's kind of be, it's kind of stuck right now in elite populations and which is great. And I've, I've worked in those populations. Um, but for me, like what it's all about is democratizing this idea of mental fitness. And what I mean by that is, you know, making it available and accessible to people earlier in their lifespan and people who are maybe, uh, who need it, you know, because, you know, we're going to talk about what this means and get into it. Right. But when we talk about anything on the mental side, there's a stigma associated with that. And so how do we a reduce that stigma, uh, reduce the barrier of entry and, and get this in the hands of uh, people like really earlier in their lifespan or, or who really need it when, you know, therapy may not be the only answer uh, to work, you know, counseling and services that are related to that, that are maybe more on the medical model. Um, you know, maybe maybe you're more on the coping to thriving band, which we'll talk about. And so how do I get that and do that? And uh, and I'm happy to tell you my story and how I got it. But I, I got there just because uh, like a lot of people, I was stuck. I was mentally stuck and I needed uh, I needed something to help me get out of this rut, you know, and that's how I found the mental game. And it's just been my passion. When, when was this in your other. life? Say when, again? When was this in your life that you were stuck? Yeah, it was really when I was at West Point. Um, you know, go army. Uh, I played, I was recruited to to play football at West Point. Uh, went there in the early nineties. And as your audience will know, West Point, the U S military Academy, it's, it's 47 month crucible experience that's designed to really beat you down and test your metal. And, um, you know, it's been studied and analyzed and there's a high washout rate. And, um, it's difficult because, you know, everyone there is getting ready to go become an army officer and become a leader of character for service to the nation in, in the army. And so, that's what your job is when you when you graduate. Uh, for me, you know, it's not only the challenges of your academics, you know, taking twice the academic load as a normal student, as an Ivy League education. You're studying a lot of uh, math and science, STEM disciplines, which was not my bag. Um, and but, you know, I'm playing Division I football at a really high level, which is almost like a full time job in itself. Mm -hmm. And then I'm getting all my military training requirements. I'm not getting a lot of sleep. I'm getting up early. I'm staying up late. And by the time I hit my sophomore year, I switched positions. Uh, I was a fullback, you know, uh, which is kind of known as being like a, a tough guy. So I thought I was a tough guy, but it just really started to uh, overwhelm me. And my coach uh, referred me to this unique student support center called the Center for Enhanced Performance. This is where uh, sport and performance psychology came into the U.S. military. And, and today it's that's uh, the U.S. Army is the largest employer of sports psychologists in the world, ironically. So the Army went all in, starting with this center. To me, it just was another student support center, but I started working with this army officer, learning about this idea of mental toughness, how to be confident despite setbacks, how to be composed in extreme circumstances, control my emotions, how to you know seek challenges and grow as a result of uh, whether or not I get results or not, how to be motivated and disciplined. And what I didn't realize at the time as a survival mode, fellas, is that like I was kind of developing these intangible attributes that make uh, effective leaders in combat. And there's this quote that's up on, you know, the athletic side, uh, uh, the academy, it's by Douglas MacArthur, General Douglas MacArthur, and it's the, on the fields of friendly strife are sown the seeds that on other fields on other days were, will bear the fruits of victory. You know, so as we know, sports is a great laboratory to really learn a lot of life skills. And for me, it was the mental game. And so 9-11 happened when I graduated in 2001, uh, within 100 days, I just met my soon-to-be wife. Uh, fast forward three more years, I'm 25 years old and leading, uh, you know, 30 soldiers into combat during the sprint to, to Baghdad. And, um, you know, we 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 could, we got there, you know, thought we were, hey, you know, we were we, we mission accomplished and we won. But the, really, the fight was just starting because all these foreign fighters started coming in. They were not going toe to toe because we had overwhelming firepower. So they were hitting us with a death by a thousand cuts with roadside bombs, sniper fire. Um, you know, blending in with the population, a, a true insurgency, and we weren't trained for that. And I think although we were physically fit to fight, we were technically competent, you know, 
some of our equipment wasn't quite ready. The thing that allowed us to be able to like adapt and overcome, um, despite all that challenge, change, and adversity, was our our not only my mental toughness that I learned, you know, uh, as an Army football player at West Point, but our collective mental toughness. And so, when I redeployed for that first time, the way that we trained to get ready and go fight, deploy um, to Iraq and Afghanistan for the next twenty years, it, it fundamentally changed. But what I found was I knew how to bring that skill into myself as an individual, but I didn't know how to train my soldiers as a leader. And that became kind of my burning questions. Like, how do we train this stuff to not only for ourselves uh, to make us better leaders, but then help make our people better, help other individuals and teams get better. Um, you know, and then just fast forward, I went back and taught after taught at the same center, uh, really interesting time, helped develop the Army's resilience program. Um, had a cup of coffee at the Air Force Academy, uh, worked with special forces for five years as a support guy, helping, uh, you know, elite uh, Green Berets jump out of perfectly good airplanes and put uh, warheads on enemy foreheads. And they were developing this elite tactical con athlete concept to where they're starting to train like athletes because um, they were on that same cycle. And so they were bringing in strength and conditioning coaches, physical therapists, uh, mental performance coaches on top of like your behavioral health folks as well. And so I, I got a chance to work with them, started, started doing some moonlighting a little bit with pro sports and the NFL and business just to kind of keep my sword sharp. You know, because as an artillery officer, how do you become a mental performance coach when you're an army officer? There's no such thing. Um, and so then when I retired, uh, I went into Major League Baseball for two years with the Rockies and Reds during the pandemic. And the, But, you know, I'm working with elite athletes who are trying to make them be good to great and great to good, which is small margins. But Meanwhile, at home, my, my son was having a mental health crisis. And uh, and meanwhile, I was unpacking my own mental health issues of, you know, 20 years at war, you know, and I have PTSD, I have traumatic brain injury. And so I just realized that, hey, you know, we need to get this out of the elite populations and down into the everyday people, starting with our kids. And so um, after a stint working at Texas A&M and teaching there, I went on my own and started my own business. And now that's what I do. I'm, I'm all about uh, helping um, really get this in the hands of the people who need it the most uh, so they can become better leaders, better performers, better teams. So I want to, for, for our listeners, because I know this stuff, I don't know if you know this, but West Point, first of all, it's an amazing, beautiful campus. Um, and I could just tell, I did a tour, I actually did a two-day leadership uh, there where they took me back into the to the Revolutionary War and I got to be George Washington and Benedict Arnold and all those <laughs> folks. And, walk around and, and determine what you would do and what action you would take. And it was so much different from the 1700s to, to now. Yeah. Like what, what, what's the, um, right. what were they called? The lookouts. Um, there was a, there was a word for it. There's a stone up on the, the readouts. There's readouts. Like, yeah, the readouts. Yeah. We had gun batteries up there, yeah. with, you know, as an artillery officer is a very strategic place. So it's a choke point in the river, which you know, the Hudson river is very strategic for us against the British. And so, we held whoever held West Point really controlled the Hudson River, and so mm -hmm. it's our it's our nation's oldest, longest continuing uh, military base. Yeah. So it's only appropriate that's where we train our army officers, right? Yeah. Uh, but little little known fact: Benedict Arnold was the first garrison commander, right? You know, yeah. so that the guy who's known as being a traitor is the first garrison commander of uh, of West Point. Wow! So, so you're on this readout, uh, which is on the top of the the hill, overlooking the campus, overlooking the curve and the yeah. and the river. And they say, all right, what do you do? What are you doing up here? And we're like, oh, we're, we're looking down onto the river to see people coming. We're looking at this. And they go, no, no, no. This is where the readout was, where people looked back away from the river, where the soldiers looked back away from yeah. the river to make sure that nobody came from the woods off and, and came That's to attack. Right. So, But today's mindset of what you would look at would be long range, you know, paying pay attention down. But it was like, so you, mm -hmm. they really it trained, it trained your brain. We're talking about training your brain. We're trying to train yeah. your brain into looking at things differently, right. not just as like how you look at it today. But um, so West Point's got a really neat, neat factoid too that you probably know about. The church was built in 1910, 1911. I was just looking at it and I got 1910, I believe. The stained glass yeah. is one of the most beautiful stained glass and it's one of the largest working organs in the world. But the stained glass, the stained glass was bid out by, and a company in New York City won it. And to date, They've never raised the cost to replace the stained glass mm. by a penny because the prestige and the pride of being the provider of stained glass for West Point is that important to yeah. them that they have not they have not raised the price by a penny as to what they will charge, which is pretty cool. Now, this is the, cool. this is the fact that I'm not not positive on to go to West Point. You have to give how many years of service after? Yep. <clears throat> right. Five years. 
Yeah, so, so everyone's there on academic scholarship, um, whether you're an athlete or not. Um, and then you owe five years of active duty service. And then, you know, with two years of in, inactive ready reserve, right? So if there's war or three breaks out, then they could call you, call you back. Yeah. Um, you know, and honestly, like it, I went there to play ball. I mean, and it was never in the plan to spend a whole career. And as a matter of fact, if you ask my close buddies, they'd be like, Reese would be the last guy. He'd be getting out of three. <laughs> like, there's no way this guy's going to stay in and, yeah. and retire, you know, let alone do it all at war. And uh, I, I just was really lucky. The reason why uh, a lot of people ask me is because is it felt like playing ball. Like, you know, to me, I think the military is the ultimate team sport, right? You know, and yeah. it was the closest thing to football. I love football because of that. Um, I'm a rugby coach now. I love it for this. I love team sports. I've always been a team sport guy. For me, it was the ultimate team sport. And I just, you know, I got so many great opportunities in the army. I, I worked with so many amazing human beings, mm -hmm. my soldiers. Lead. I never had a bad boss. I mean, who could say they spent a career doing anything and never had a bad boss, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, that was kind of the reason that that kept me in. And my, my family, you know, has a long line of, of, of service uh, to, to our country and, and to our communities, you know, and um, I still feel compelled to serve and I don't think you have to wear a uniform to serve and yeah. um, it just was a great ride. What was it like? Because when you went in and you said you were going to play football, like you went in yeah. the United States, like what we had to worry about when you went into college was the worry was Y2K. Right. We were worried that the right. world. Yeah, we Y2K were, and we were in, we were in the Balkans. Like we were dealing with uh, everything yeah. Bosnia, Herzegovina. That, that, yeah. that was the, that but, was the concern of the day, yeah. But it wasn't massive concern, and it was during the dot-com, first initial dot-com bubble, so the economy right. was good, life was good, and you graduated yeah. 100 days later and 9-11 hits. What, yeah. what what reality slap was that to you as far as, like, like you go in and you don't, you're like, oh, yeah, I give six years and, you know, probably not going to do much, and then right. all of a sudden you graduate 100 right. days later, it's like, we're going to war, and this could last for right. a really long time. And these people that right. we're going up against are willing to take their own lives and crash planes and do all these things. Yep. Like, what was that? Right. That had to have done something. I mean, psychologically, that had yeah. to have been a tough to wrap your head around because that's just a oh, boom. Everything just changes. It was. It was. And it's it's part of the reason why I admired the soldiers that I had opportunity to lead because they came in knowing that we were at war. And I always said that, remember, we used to bash millennials, right? And I'm Gen X, you know, yeah. as... as as uh, you you guys are, Mark, I'm assuming you you are as well too. By your mm -hmm. by your uh, uh, as well, but we you know we, by, we his, came young, in and, by and, his young and, looks like what yeah. I'm the oldest by his young there. by his by his young looks yeah, yeah. exactly yeah uh, so um you know I I I am I'm a little ahead of you I'm too the oldest. The old, uh, I think I'm the oldest I'm definitely the oldest one here so yeah you're you're under fifty <laughs> I mean you're uh, oh he's younger than me I yeah think. exactly he, yeah talking about 9-11 yeah 9-11 he graduated i was already working doing my merchandise yeah he's right around my age he's got, he's got a couple years to 50 you're always that you're already the merch master by yeah. you know, i by, was by, yeah by, i was already the merch yeah. master by the time yeah. 9-11 I, I, the original like, gangster merch yeah. master. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so uh not back so to answer your question i mean it yeah hey we went from not being at war to like you know i got a handwritten letter saying from my first commander who was in like Serbia, like, Hey, you know, welcome yeah. to the unit. And I've, I'm thinking I'm going to go to the Balkans. Right. Yeah. And then nine 11 happens. And then all of a sudden I mean, just everything changed. Um, right. And I remember I was in my officer basic course. I was in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, I was studying gunnery, which is like, you talk about those readouts, Josh, like the yeah. guys who like it's kids, literally cannon science. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, you know, it, well, for one, the seriousness of our training, that's really amped up big time. Right. Yeah. Then it was like, okay, when when are we going to go? And, you know, so we we knew where our first units we were going to, the installation where it was. And now it was just a matter of, like, when are we going to go? Because we, we knew we were going to go. Um, and obviously, like, the focus was on Afghanistan at that time because of, of bin Laden and everything going on with the Taliban that was there. And, you know, you know, you know the first people who were there were the CIA and special forces, right? Well, then the follow-on forces came. So we had some time. I mean, who, who would have known that we would have gone to Iraq? Then that would have been my first deployment and so by the time i hit the ground in my first unit i met them out at white sands missile range so i was a uh, multiple launch rocket system so you think about they look like tanks yeah. mlrs you know and they can fire rockets and missiles you know uh unclassified up to like 300 kilometers right and you know they're pretty amazing combat systems i had three of them in my platoon and so my first i met my unit who was out in white sands missile range the only place where you could actually fire 
some of the missiles at you know at their designated mm-hmm. length uh, to be able, they, in White Sands Missile Race for our listeners. This is actually where we drop the atomic bombs. So if you watched mm-hmm. the movie Oppenheimer, this is where yep. that, that Ground Zero is right there too. So it's this huge test and training range where we can test all kinds of munitions. So we were doing we were training out there, and little did I know that we were getting ready to go to to Iraq, and we would be one of the first units to be able to go in there. Um, you know, and I, I'd met my wife and I knew that I loved her. And so that, that was, you know, it wasn't just about me. Um, obviously my parents were really wor- worried and, you know, during that whole buildup, you know, I knew that I wanted to get married and we ended up getting married in a hurry right before I deployed because we wanted to be married in case something happened to me. Um, and just you know, my whole life changed in, in a lot of ways. Um, and so in the way that we, our, our sense of urgency and focus really changed too, because when I was at West Point, it was really interesting to contrast going to West Point, not at war and going back and teaching it. We were in the middle of a war, mm-hmm. um, seeing the sense of urgency and focus on the military side of training. Because when I was there, I'll be honest with you, it was like, OK, you know, all right, we're doing this military stuff and I'm going to go be a de facto mayor of some, you know, village and, you know, we kind of non-combat operations in a hostile environment. But I'm not going to get shot at and blown up, probably, you know, right. and so. Yeah. But um, it's it, so it was really interesting in a lot of different ways that way too. But for me, it was all about readiness. How do you get prepared? Yeah. Um, and then the way that you do that, uh, you know, it was because you're constantly in this cycle of I'm either at war in combat or I'm getting ready to do that. Yeah. You know, so I was gone a lot and, and that impacted my family. Um, and so um, it, it was not an easy time to do that. And I just credit, uh, credit to my wife and all the military spouses and families that are out there. They don't get a lot of credit. Uh, my wife is amazing and I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without her, you know, from, but she was with me really from the beginning, you know? Yeah. And so uh, the fact that she said yes <laughs> to an army officer, even to go deal with that for a little bit of time, let alone two decades, says a lot about her. It says a lot about our military families who are out there. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm just sitting here thinking like you're either in junior high school or maybe a sophomore in high school, you know, the, the, the thing that probably, and probably what was studied at West Point a bit was desert storm. Right. right. And and, right. and it's like I can remember being in high school, I think it was a sophomore and, you know, Desert Storm happens and they roll the TV, the big tube mm-hmm. TV in. Yeah. And we watched the, the war yeah. on the news in school. And yeah. then and then it was like three days later, we're like, well, that was easy. Right. Yeah. That's what we thought <laughs> was going to happen. That's yeah. what we thought it's, was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. We had a few. There was a few Desert Storm vets that were still around. Yeah. Um, I, and I, that's one of the reasons I joined the military is my sister was uh, an army officer. And so is my brother-in-law. And uh, unfortunately, my brother-in-law was uh, was killed in 1994. And uh, his one of, you know, it was a tragedy and but ended up kind of being a triumph because one of the reasons I ended up getting recruited is because one of his good friends uh, played football at West Point um, and got my got me recruited and sent my my VHS tape in. And mm-hmm. my following in Chris and my sister's footstep, who were Desert Storm vets, was a big, compelling reason why I wanted to go to West Point, why I wanted to finish what Chris started and kind of in a way why I got in this field, because like my seeing my sister go through at real time, having to come back, she had a young son. He was six months old when, you know, my uh, brother-in-law was killed outside of his home in Fort Hood, outside of Fort Hood, Texas and Colleen, Texas. And I uh, just seeing her in real time going through the struggles of mourning and that real time resilience was really kind of like this masterclass on how do you deal with hard things um, that just, you know, in life really drew, gives you this incredible blow. How mm-hmm. do you, how do you deal with that? And all the struggles and the good, bad, and ugly that go with that too, was really inspiring to me in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, it, it was really cool to be able to do what Chris wanted. Chris wanted to go back and teach at West Point. That was one of the reasons I wanted to do that. And in, in a way it kind of sent me on this life mission of, you know, really being uh, an educator and being a coach Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I have a lot to thank them for in those desert storm vets, like my sister and my brother-in-law. Yeah. The, um, the, the thing that's interesting to me that I'm curious about, um, and it, this was part of the conversation that you and I had, um, uh, because I think you were, you know, you were using the word mental toughness, right. As yeah. far as like working right. at it. And I, I just find, I, I mean, I'm curious how the embracing has been since you've switched to mental fitness. Yeah. And then secondly, um, I could see a lot of the, so I think you want to help everybody. Like just from what I, just from what I gather from you and the limited interactions that I've had with you following you on social media, I think you're someone that wants to help the world. I don't think, yeah. I, I think that, I think helping to major league baseball teams would be really cool. And it would give you some notoriety and you'd be kind of yeah. like, wow, you'd be the guy that everyone want to talk to at the party. 
but I think right. that you're I think you're the person that wants to try to help everybody that that either needs it, wants it, or deserves right. it. Um, right. How how has that been kind of transitioning from elite athletes, elite yeah. military to helping Josh with mental fitness? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I gotta thank you for being a thought partner and friend during a time when I was really chewing on that. Cause I was asked, I was really at this um some of the initial feedback that I got that I mentioned to you. So mental toughness is where a lot of the the research that I was familiar with too. So like, think about uh, mental toughness is kind of this idea. How do I get the most out of what I have mentally and emotionally to be at my best when it matters the most? And it really involves two things. One of them is mental performance, which is like your ability to execute tasks or do your job at a high level and do that consistently. So that's like psychological offense. And the other one is playing psychological defense, which you think about resilience and grit. Resilience is bouncing back from a challenge, change, and adversity. Grit is passion and perseverance over time. And so that's, you know, but there's this other, there's, there's really one, this bridge concept that I talk about that brings together this idea of mental health prevention and performance together. Right. And so where I was, so I describe mental fitness as this bridge, you know, to where we're, you know, we tend to think about mental health and it gets, gets all the headlines and for a very good reason. I think the world health organization says one in two people globally have some sort of psychopathology, like meaning mental health illness, injury, sign, or symptom that may or may not be diagnosed, you know, and that's the medical model is identifying problems, treating problems. So that's like treating problems, solving problems, and then it's the absence of it, right? Mm -hmm. And there's just not enough mental health providers that are out there. Not everybody needs to go see a therapist, right? Depending on where you're at. And then the middle of the bridge is this coping band, and that's resilience and grit. And that's where we spend most of our lives is in that band, right? You know, so if one is mental health, not a bad thing, right? You know, being mentally healthy is a great thing, right? But like a lot of us are kind of like somewhere between the average person somewhere between, all right, I'm, I'm between like a three and a six or seven in that span. And then some of us are really focused on this upper range of our potential, which is thriving. You think about that's where I'm thinking about performance or at the really high range, I'm in the flow state or a zone. And I want to replicate mm -hmm. as much of those things, but those things are fleeting, right? Um, but the reality is like we, what I realized and you and I talked about Josh is that we all, we all move along this bridge many, many times throughout mm -hmm. the course of our life. And you know, and sometimes like there's this duality that exists. And what I mean by that is like, we've all been there to where we've been really high functioning. We may be in like a six, but like something happened to where I'm like, you know, it happened to me where I'm kind of sad and depressed. Maybe I lost a loved one. Maybe, um, you know, uh, maybe I'm not completely happy with my job, but I'm doing this to feed my family or uh, I'm just kind of feeling sad or down and depressed. And we've all kind of experienced that recently, which is why it's brought up to light. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like, for me, I wanted to be more inclusive. So I was dealing more with that performance side when I first started. Then when I learned about positive psychology, I learned about, uh, you know, halfway through my military, I learned about psychological defense, the coping band. And then I'm trained to be able to refer people to go to mental health providers, but I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychologist, which means I'm not a licensed uh, clinical provider. I'm a practitioner. So that's why I'm called a mental performance coach based on my field of, from uh, the Association for Applied Performance, uh, Association for Applied Sports Psychology. So, but there's a role to play, right? There's this, uh, so I have the ability to refer and identify signs and symptoms and be on the front lines, but I also have the ability to be able to, I want to meet people where they are and I want to help get them where they want to go. And that's what mental fitness is is all about. Um, and so like, what's cool is that we've, we've learned about the brain is that this thing called neuroplasticity. Have you guys ever heard of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's yep. the whole idea we used to think the brain was fixed, right? Yep. And that, you know, once we were 25, we're all screwed because, you know, hey, our brain's fully cooked and it's hard to learn new things, right? But we found that that brain can is malleable, it's plastic, so it can change over the course of our time. And so that's brought in these other ideas called like neuroliteracy, where it's like, hey, I can read and write my brain, like I read and write in language, and I can change it over the course of my time through training and education. And so for me, like uh, the the big, so what was mental toughness? We found out how to stigma. You helped me validate that. So like certain populations, they don't care about being mentally tough, right? They just want to be, you know, they, they just want to be healthy and, and be well, right? And be able to live their lives in order to be happy and healthy. And, you know, performance looks different from everybody and what's relatively stressful or high stakes looks different from everybody as well too. So for me, this idea of mental fitness kind of made it more inclusive, made it more accessible for anybody, wherever you are in your journey to, to understand where you're at in that bridge and through a training education, you know, then be able to move to the right and not only do that by yourself, do it with other people. 
So that's where that's that's kind of what I've I've landed on, and I think it's been pretty well received so far. Awesome. No, that's that's good. I'm I'm uh, I'm happy to hear that. I was a kind of a that was a self-serving question there. I'm honest because I haven't asked. I mean, I, we had this talk a couple months ago. I see him doing all this stuff, and I'm like. I think it was a good idea. I think it was something good we talked about. And then all of a no, I like, mean, uh, I have a million questions of self-serving. Yeah. 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 Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's so I mean, well, my son's a, a competitive golfer. He's, he's um, going to play college golf next year. And, and golf is such a mental game, right? Oh, and, my God. And, yeah. One of the most difficult ones, actually. Yeah. And he, he's so damn good at golf, but he, he's not a great putter. And that's the, yeah. and, and I think that a lot of that's just mental, you know, it just gets in his head. So yeah, of course I, I drive for show, puff for dough. Right. Yeah. How do we get him to puff for dough, man? Yeah. Yeah. Golf is so interesting because it's by, I mean, you're by yourself and there's such a room there's so much, so many variables at stake and there's such a high room for error. Like I always talk about baseball as this game, uh, you know, game built on failure. Right. But like you think about it, it's a bunch of specialists who are, put together on a team one person can really like we saw in the world series really change the outcome of the game but like in golf it's all you all you it's just it's you versus you you know and it's and it's and the most important six inches on the golf course are between your ears you know and yeah holy, mm-hmm. holy cow is it frustrating right especially when yep. you're first learning yeah yeah absolutely so what, what kind of what kind of like uh offerings does this look like in your term yeah. in your business is it like one-on-one coaching is it is it yeah how does, how does it work yeah, and this is something Josh helped me out with too. So uh, you know, the top end of my funnel is my more of my keynote speaking, right? Because what I found is, and you guys appreciate this, is that a lot of people don't understand what mental training, like they understand what mental health is. They don't know what mental fitness is, they don't know what mental training is, they don't have a a file in their brain away from that too. So it's not mainstream, right? Because I told you it was kind of in the elite populations or it's mm-hmm. kind of like in like private practice and really cottage industry niche type of stuff. So one is like creating awareness and understanding through my keynote speaking, right? And kind of talking about big ideas. And then, um, so that that's number one. And then number two is kind of leading to like to workshops where we get more in the how-tos. That's my, that's what I'm good at. It's taking these things that are otherwise like intangible and hard to understand. And let's bring them to life by through engaging activities um, at the individual group level, right? To where you can actually bring them to life. Um, and then the coaching piece is, you know, one-on-one small groups as well there. And I work with, like I said, I mean, athletes from the high school level to the pro level I work with business leaders and teams, um, you know, who really want to use it to help with a part of their leader development program. Um, and then I work with first responders through a company called O2X and also teach at Sam Houston State, um, you know, especially cops, huge uh, demand for mental health services. Um, and it's tough to be a police officer right now, too. And their numbers are down and they're having a hard time re- re- retaining people. So this is something that they see as an edge. Uh, to help develop, find good quality people and then develop them once they get them into the force. Um, you know, and the last piece is I work with like a lot of people in the medical side too, which, you know, stress and burnout is a huge issue, especially like for advanced practice practitioners, like our nurses who are on the front lines every day. And then, you know, med- you know, the demand for medical care is only increasing, you know, and the the number of providers and their performance is decreasing. Right. And so, these are, you know, so serving people who serve is something really important to me. And the sports is, is this great laboratory to learn all kinds of cool skills. I think, you know, it's a safe environment that transfers, I mean, swinging a bat, swinging a club, you know, shooting a free throw doesn't transfer to life in, you know, life in corporate America, but, you know, you can learn about, you know, the, about confidence, right. Through your self-talk, uh, through using your ability to visualize through your goal setting, uh, through how you put your attention you developing routines. Um, those are just some examples of some of the mental skills I teach. And so if you can do that within a safe and controlled environment, those will bleed over to when, Hey, when you're in college, or if you go to into a trade, um, you know um, and so I think that's the transferability of those skills, I think lends itself to why it's important. Yeah. It, I mean, this is such a huge area, oh, yeah. especially for young people who with the pandemic, are severely lacking in mental well uh, fit. The, you, you're like you're you're like a, a personal trainer but for the brain mm-hmm. that's right that's exactly what i say yeah. too man you know yeah. right personal trainer is strength coach for the brain right it's a great way yeah. to be able to look at it right you know um and it's a it's a and again that's something that people know um and so it's something that they can gravitate towards 
Yeah, I mean, this helps with anxiety. It helps with yeah, just all sorts of stuff. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah. We we talk like every day or text, and we're two completely different people. Like I get stressed out about stuff, and he's just like, yeah, wa- water off a duck's behind. I'm like, how? Do, what are you doing, dude? What 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 is it? What is going on in your brain? And it's like I've been using him for his, like five yeah. Years. I think I think he's, you have. I, if I, I didn't, didn't tell you that. I was, yeah, we if set this. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this, this, this whole thing was. I'm supposed to feel good about myself for coming up with these things, and you guys, you've been he's been your guru for the last year. Hey. <laughs> and it's like you get off the phone with me and i'm stressing about all this stuff and, I, and, I and you're him. like let me call let me call in hey man let's 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 retrain my brain i just got off the phone with peach and he's causing me stress and anxiety <laughs> the things i uncover about you it's yeah. amazing yeah, it's been absolutely amazing well um how do people get a hold of you you said you started your own business you, well, how, yes, do they, how do they get a hold of you how do they get more uh, you got a YouTube channel. You've, you're on social media. You're putting stuff yes, all over, all over yep. the place. So first of all, how do people? Because you give a lot. So I always say this about most of my network. They give a lot of free nuggets of knowledge. Yep. Like, and it's yeah. it's to get them to pay. And he's got some really good stuff. He's got some great videos. And you know, shameless plug. A couple of them. He's got to be awesome T-shirt on. So I always like those. Dude, I always. I always like those yeah. a little bit more than the other ones. But it's yeah. The credibility. Yeah. Sure. But. but yeah. Um, no, how do what do people search for? How do they find you? How do they follow you and do all that fun stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, so I can include like my Linktree account. I mean, it's got all my socials on there. My Kung Fu is the strongest on LinkedIn. I'm no John McCaskill. I'm a I'm a wannabe I'm a wannabe John when it comes to. He's got like 10 million followers, right? Yeah, and yeah. I ride in his vapors once in a while. Uh, <laughs> on there as well too, uh, and. No, so I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably the strongest. I'm on Instagram as well, too. My company's called Design to Perform. Yeah. So I've got handles there as well, too. You can find me on Instagram. It's coach underscore Reese, R-I-I-S-E. Just remember, two eyes are better than one. Yeah. Reese's pieces, uh, not rise, like the prize. Um, and then, um, you know, check out my website. That's 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 new as well, too. It's a work in progress. You can schedule a free consult to be able to do that. The first one is free um you know eventually going to come up like a newsletter and so so forth but you have a video uh, youtube video i mean you know we're talking like stuff that's five minutes or less to where we get into like you know it's you know specific concept to where we talk about what it is why it's important how to go put it into practice and so still building that content as well too um and i'm also powered by some other companies uh, that i'm affiliated with but if you don't mind me giving them a plug throw them out there yeah so if you're you know if you're an athlete you know and or you're you know you're a coach, you're an athlete, you're a parent, you're listening to this and uh, you're interested. Hey, how do I get this for myself? Or how do I get this for my program, you know, for my team, right? Well, there's not a lot of scalable solutions that are out there. So my business partner, I have an app called Mental Grit to where we can really kind of reduce that. We can scale any organization, uh, any athletic team. And that's that's designed for that. Um, let's say that you're, you know, if you're a, refer- you're a first responder um, and you're, you know, you're a cop, you're a firefighter, you're in emergency services, like a dispatcher, you know, and you're interested in like, hey, how do I get how do I get this information? Well, I'm affiliated with O2X, um, which is a health and human performance company. Um, you know, great resource. They're really cornering the market. They're out of uh, Situate. They're in, in Massachusetts. So mm, shout, right. out to the, right. shout out to them. We like them already, right? Yeah. I love them. Started by a couple of Navy SEALs that did that. So O2X is there. And if you're a business and you're looking for, you know, you, you want to learn more about neuroliteracy and how and or maybe you're a, you're a we call them an ardent self-helper right you're the person who likes to get all the wearables and the watch and you're the first person to check out the latest and greatest trends and when it comes to health and wellness and performance you know check us out it's uh next integrated life sciences um you know really revolutionary platform that i think is really going to help move the needle when it comes to when i when i talk about democratizing mental fitness and neuroliteracy they're they're a really cool vehicle to do that we just launched last tuesday um, and again, I'll drop the the links for that as well, too. So those are kind of some of the, you know, to me, it's like, hey, if you want to go uh, fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, do it with the team. And so it's not just about me and my product. And it's, it's about the teams I'm affiliated with to include you guys. And so just appreciate this opportunity to be able to get on here and, uh, you know, please reach out to us. And, uh, and I'll uh, like to be very responsible, uh, responsive and try to be a relevant resource. See how he were on his team. Where? Right. Yeah. Well, for, I, I noted that right away. I, well, I, 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 I wrote it down for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I, mean, I know, but I mean, that's I like, he car- didn't realize he was on our team, whether he wanted to be or not. We're like Let's a bad, go. we're like a bad cold. You can't get rid of us. Yeah, no, you're, <laughs> we're attached. 
for yeah. a while. Uh, well, yeah, I'm so, already wearing the jersey, man. So, uh, like, well, man. I know. I don't even have my jersey on. I have the boxers on. I got mine so. underneath there. I forgot I sent them one of those. Uh, can't buy those on your store. I don't even know if I've ever, no, have I ever given you. You gave them all out. Do you have extras? I have a couple Anyways. back at home. I got uh, one. Yeah, so here's here's my deal. Two things that just stood out. Uh, three, because we're on the same team. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you struggled with, because you asked me a, a while ago, how do mm-hmm. people get in touch with you? And it's like, you get a lot of options, right? And yeah. the, thing I, the love about Linktree is it's great, but it's it's not that like, it's it's not that easy to say like L I N K T R. You know what I mean? Like oh, I, it's got to be an easy way. Yours is the best. Yours is just beawesome.com, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And everything's there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We need, you and I need to consolidate. How do we get in touch? You know, because mm-hmm. am I missing something? Linktree is kind of a weird. It's a it's a weird URL. It is. Yeah, it's it's a weird URL. It, it's kind of like the thing that you do is they have a, a one stop shop to get all get to connect with you, right? Yeah. You know? You, you see it this world too, you know, uh, where it's like, hey, you you can't get to all the things I'm, you know, or you can go design to perform.com, right? For you know, so and that has uh, everything. Like you guys, you know, like when you have a network, right? You have like all these uh, all these nodes and all these affiliations and so on and so forth. So like what's how do I get to that hub to access all the nodes yeah. that you're affiliated with, right? And so it's tricky. The second thing I wanted to say is um I'm a big fan of <laughs> performance coaching. And you, you and I did the uh, build your life resume program. Yep. Yep. You know, we spent a lot of nice. money doing that. A lot of money. Um, and <laughs> the thing is, is but like, we've got a priceless friendship. Now. <laughs> there you go. Worth every penny. Thank you, Jesse. It's like, yeah. Uh, so is this, is this kind of the same philosophy where you, you sort of have to commit to not only financially, but the process, right? It's not, yeah. Not as no quick fixes. You're trying to yeah. bring it to the masses, but it's not really yet affordable to the masses. You have to sort of be willing to put a little skin in the game, right? I assume it's yeah. it's uh, right. financially, yeah, I, it's something you have to commit to. It is, you know, and I we've when I say reduce the barrier of entry, like we we made it affordable, right? To the because we want it. We That's want what to I'm asking. It, yeah, we want to make it accessible, right? I mean, you you know, and it's it can't just be at a price point where only executives or elite athletes who make a lot of cheddar can could afford this, right? Because you know, but at the same time, you know, uh, youth sports, for example, you know, $15 billion industry, you know, you got parents who are willing to pay 300 bucks for a lacrosse stick or a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but they don't want to pay 300 bucks a month for, you know, the, for mental coaching. Right. And so it's, it's shifting that paradigm. Um, and I think the digital delivery methodology, you know, you got to, people don't scale products do, yeah. um, and, as you know. And so, but if you have really good people behind the products, uh, then you can, then I think you're starting to really cook with gas, right? And I, I think mm. that's 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 where the I sweet love, spot is for us. I love um, people don't scale do products it. though. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm in the tech space, and and it's it, it it it's so ridiculous where you know equity companies come in and they want to scale based on people and everything else, and it's like that, that's I've never nobody's ever said that that yeah uh, I'm gonna bring you into some companies and tell them to really remember, <laughs> remember that so. Um, well, I'm a customer. I'm, I can't wait to connect offline because uh, I want to get my son into this. I want to get into sure this. Love that. I want to get the the plug in for the Bates College golf team next year. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, uh, I, I love working with uh, you know young people. I mean, it's because it's where you see you, you see so much growth happen. Uh, can I can I leave, can I leave one final story? Do we got time for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, you're also helping me practice for my keynote, right, Josh? Yeah, there you we, go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm uh, getting ready to go to Thailand and Hong Kong. I'm doing a keynote on this. So uh, this is one of the stories I want to tell. Is man, this really moved me. This is kind of why why we do the work. We're get, you asked me what gets me up in the morning. This is kind yeah. of going back to that question, Josh. So I'm working with this young man. He's in an international school. If you're not familiar with international schools, uh, like our people who work for our, our government, yeah. they live overseas. They move around a lot, like we do in the military. Um, so we have these schools. You know, they're almost like private schools, but they're for people who work for the U.S. government. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of unique challenges, you know, and this guy was pretty introverted, you know, um, he was, you know, he's 18 years old, he may be on the autism spectrum, he loved basketball, though. And so he's in this new school um, overseas, he doesn't have any friends, he's having a hard time connect. But the thing that his constant, his lifeline is basketball, he loves it. And he's tried out, he's played JV, he's tried out his junior year to make the basketball team, he's failed. Um, he, you know, now he's getting ready to go try out for his senior year, his one and final shot to make the varsity team. It sounds like a Michael Jordan story, right? So the athletic director who hired my partner and I, you know, reached out to me and I'd been working with students for about six months. Some of them were like going to be 
you know, go swim or run in college or Olympic hopefuls. And um, this is the first kind of student athlete who's not in that category and that he was really struggling. Met the parents, met him, decided to go with it. And I was really surprised because he wasn't emoting a lot. He didn't seem like he was into it. And I was really surprised that he wanted to work with me. And we started working together and it just, you know, it's hard via Zoom sometimes because you don't know what's sticking or what's not. And um, so we, we meet every six weeks, you know, leading up to the tryouts. Uh, we're meeting once uh, for an hour, you know, just kind of laying the foundation. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, I don't I don't know if this kid's ready. And because uh, I'm not sure if I'm reaching him. I'm not sure what he's doing between our sessions because that's where the behavior change happens. He's so hardwired that he deals with stress. He's just like he puts so much pressure on himself. He's not sleeping well. Um, he's one of those kids that has like he throws up when he's really under stress and pressure, uh, which ironically, Bill Russell, famous Boston Celtic, he used to yep. throw up before every big game. It's part of the stress, natural stress response. So leading up to the big game, uh, big, big day, he makes the first round of cuts. He's feeling good. And then he just puts so much pressure on himself during the final cuts. He misses the team by one, one person. He misses yeah. it. They, they took 14 people and, and he was the 15th person. I mean, he was devastated texting him back and forth with the parents and him. I mean, he's completely, and I, now I'm worried about his mental health. I mean, now, yeah. now he's kind of moving to that other side of that bridge I was talking about. And so I'm reaching out and Hey, is, is John okay? So on and so forth. And, um, you know, and then I get this phone call for this trip that I'm getting ready to go to overseas from the athletic director. And he's really excited about having us. And, um, you know, he says, uh, Andy, I want to, you know, when I introduce you guys, I want to highlight some of the work you've done, some of the impact you've made. I mean, I, you know, I've only worked with a couple of kids so far. He's like, yeah, well, you know, just to show you the impact you made, I just got a call from John, you know, and uh, I just got an email from John saying, and I haven't heard from him in a week because they had fall break and I just was giving him space. He heard from John and John writes in this email and he says to him, like, Mr. You know, Mr. Chris, uh, you know, I want to let you know that I'm really disappointed I didn't make the varsity team, but I decided that uh, I'm going to continue to play basketball. I'm going to be the best JV player I could be and I want to be a leader on the team. And if I get my opportunity, I'm going to be able to do that. And, and I want to continue to work with Coach Andy because he really helped change the way that I think uh, about stress and how I approach pressure, not only in basketball and life. And I got to tell you guys, like, that that's it. That gave me the, that hit me, right? That hit me with the hay right there with the feels, yeah. right? You know, and, uh, yeah. you know, if that doesn't, story doesn't move you, you, you don't got a heartbeat, you know, and yeah. I got the phone, I got choked up a little bit, you know, and so, to me, it's like, you know, I've worked with multi-million dollar athletes and CEOs of Fortune 100 companies, and I don't get the same feeling that I do, you know, all that, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, knowing that a young person, you know, uh, has, has it's changed their life somehow in a very, very small way, and you planted that seed and you didn't know if it was going to grow or not, and it's got a little bit of sprout above the ground. I mean, it's not done yet. We still got to fertilize it, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, knowing that, you know, uh, I think like a farmer is, is what it's all about. That's awesome. That's so great. Yeah. So that's been mixing all worth it. Add a level of hope and opportunity and what's possible. Yeah. That's a, that's about as good a way as you could close out a podcast. Absolutely. As I got to go pick up my my little dude. But at, before I do, I mean, everybody's been doing plugs in this podcast and we're talking about sponsors and stuff. Well, I have to give a plug. It's November, yeah, it's yeah, November 3rd. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I can, right? Jack? I think ask, I, I'm going to ask question. Can yeah. I make a plug here? I got to make a plug. Yeah. So cool. I'm going to make one plug. It's November 3rd. And, uh, and my friend, Chris Mills, I'm wearing his shirt and I'm wearing a be awesome shirt. I'm wearing a shovel town flag shirt today. Nice. Uh, Chris, Chris is a pretty awesome human being. I mean, and I know you're going to don't, this guy gets choked up about stuff. Cause he's got one of Chris's flags and, um, and it's just, they're special. They're, they're made with reclaimed wood. A lot of it historic right here in Easton with, with, from historic buildings going back to the 1800s. And he started this business in 2018 um, right when I started to be awesome and, uh, an anonymous donor gave a flag in November of 2019, I guess, and said, I want to pay it forward. I want you to give a flag to a veteran in, uh, in honor of what I did. And, and he's grown this to giving a flag a day for the month of November in honor of veterans day. I'll give you an example of this flag. It's amazing. Uh, the work that he does. And the craftsmanship of the flags are just oh, it's cool. uh, wild. And this is flag number uh, 1,040. It's reclaimed beech wood from Fairhaven. And wow. uh, he, he's, he picks veterans every single day. He's giving one of these flags to each of the Gold Star families in Cape Cod. Uh, it's actually cool. just they're, they're all getting picked up today. Mm -hmm. um, this is actually the first flag that's being given and uh, it's on its way down to Texas to you, my friend. So 
Um, this is an honor of you. Thank you for your service. Uh, we couldn't, we, we wanted to do something special and Chris was able to help us out. So thanks, Chris. This flag is, it's the first of its kind that he's made. Wow. And um, he's just it's amazingly awesome. creative. So I'm going from here, pick up little man, and then I'm going to the post office to drop this in the mail. So um, thank do you me guys. That's I'm honored. I really yeah. am. That means a lot to me. Thank you. Our pleasure. And thank you for what you're doing for the masses, not just for uh, the select few and sharing your message, your, your experience and your knowledge. So um, always in your corner, my friend, uh, this has been a great episode. He's on the team now, yeah. Yeah, he's on the team. Yeah, that's... The, well, we're on his team, too. We're on... Well, I'd rather be on his team most than on our <laughs> team. <laughs> so, uh, awesome stuff. Thanks uh, for what you're doing. And and I supported McCaskill on your bike ride, so I've got the Frogman shirt. I, I you It's know, all good. It's, feel, it's all good. It's a good cause. You know, we're we're best frenemies. You know, we... Yeah. It's... Uh, competition is all about uh you know making each other better right you know so that's what it, we love to have, give each other a hard time but we're really brothers and from another mothers i gotta figure out how to get one of your rooster shirts they'll make a donation and put it towards <laughs> see, if they, see, if they, see if they've got any kicking around the Lim warehouse limited, li limited edition limited edition <laughs> <laughs> well this was awesome next time's going to be in person my friend um that'll do it for another episode here thank you for joining me this was yeah, fun we'll do me, this Josh. more often so yeah it's great um, to meet you too. this will be great adam as always thank you for your making your time for me today and all the times i come in here for multiple hours and tire you out and only pay you in pizza so uh you're you're a solid guy i appreciate it uh that'll do it for this episode as always i close every episode with we are grateful for five-star rating reviews we have uh, 72 five-star ratings uh, we have one that someone accidentally put a one star. I can't get that accident. Uh, yeah, it was an accident because I tell people if we don't if we don't deserve your five star rating or review, let me know. Josh at beawesome.com. If we do, I want to get to 100. I want us to okay. get to the top 1%. We're in the top 3%. McCaskill on men talking mindfulness is in the top two and a half percent. He got a little bit of a head start on me and a bit, big right. following. And he's also got a great message. So we need to get those up and we appreciate that. So share, follow ratings and reviews. And as always, if you can be anything, be awesome. Have a great day, everybody. Come to you from underneath the peach blossom. It's time for an episode of Be Awesome. Find positivity throughout your life and work. Just like our mascot, Rooster, see the jerk.